We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello, and we delayed today's episode because the Titans have finalized their initial, initial 53-man roster. Justin and I are going to go through all the cuts, all the players. Well, maybe not all the cuts, but we're going to go through the roster, talk about notable cuts, surprises, reactions, what roles some of these guys might end up having, and who could potentially be on the bubble towards the end of the episode as waivers and free agents process over the next couple of days. And J-Rob continues to churn the back half of that roster. Justin, the most exhausted and busiest man on Titans Twitter today, recording this Tuesday night. What's up, Justin? How are you feeling? Uh, definitely tired. It's been a really, really long day, right? We're recording this at uh, 10.45 p.m. Eastern um, on Tuesday evening. Uh, I've been you know, working the phones since probably 8.30 in the morning uh, today, right? And so it's been a, it's been a really long day. It was, it was, a, it was a good, successful day. I, I always hate, you know, when, when, when players lose their jobs and I don't like reporting um, on stuff like that nature. But I get really excited to report on someone making the team. I, I love celebrating success. So overall, I had a, a really good long day. I'm exhausted, as you said, but uh, here I am ready to talk more Titans footballs if I haven't done that enough today. Right. So you broke a ton of these moves today, whether it was cuts or guys being told they make the roster over 15 guys that you reported on today before anyone else and a few others that you got just at, with someone else. We'll shout out Terry McCormick here, I guess, because he had a lot of notable ones today, too. But let's just go through it. Let's start at the top of the depth chart with the most important position in football. The, the first semi-surprise, although a lot of people were expecting it, although if you go back a month ago, even on this podcast and all over, people were not expecting the quarterback room to only be two guys, obviously Ryan Tannehill and this year's, one of this year's third round picks, Malik Willis, will be your quarterback room, Logan Woodside, cut, likely will be added back to the practice squad, possibly before you even listen to this podcast, if you're getting to it on Wednesday night. Um, but what do you make here about what this means for the Titans, for Malik Willis with Logan Woodside being released? Yeah, I think you're right. When you say, if, if you were to go back a month, it still kind of felt like this was going to be a three quarterback room, right? When, you know, Malik really struggled in that first preseason game and you, you, you kind of said, okay, well, he's even though, you know, Woodside wasn't very good in that game either. You said, okay, clearly Malik Willis is not ready. They're probably going to have to hold on um, to Woodside. Here we are. It's a two quarterback room, right? Malik got better every week, right? He got better in week two he, and he was even better in week three, right? I, I would say he played his best preseason game in the finale against the Cardinals. And I, I think showing that weekly improvement, that natural progression, probably helps Tennessee make this decision. Now, certainly Woodside, um, you know, didn't really do himself any favors. Although I thought he, he probably played his best game in that week three game as well against Arizona. But the first two were, were pretty poor overall. So probably did himself no favors here. 
it's it's crazy, right? To start a camp, we talked about them keeping three quarterbacks. We, we certainly thought that was, uh, you know, more than likely going to be the case, but it's not the case. Um, one, one of the last things I'll say on here before I turn it back to you, not to be a wet blanket and not to kind of go back on everything I just said, but I'm not totally convinced that this is over. And it's probably not what Titans fans want to hear, but I do agree with you that there's probably a strong chance that Woodside will be added to the Titans practice squad. You know, of course there may be a couple other teams to watch. You know, there's always the Atlanta Falcons with Arthur Smith. There's also other teams that need a backup quarterback, right? The Dallas uh, Cowboys don't have, a backup. They only kept Dak Prescott on their initial 53 Detroit lions. I've been looking at making some changes at backup, right? I believe they released, they uh, released Tim Boyle, David Blau's on the roster as David Blau's on the roster, but that's a, something that I think they could still potentially look at. So if Although, Woodside doesn't, I think David Blau's better than Woodside, but that's neither here nor there. The Falcons, you know, Mariota had a pretty good preseason. Desmond Ritter had it up and down, but okay. Preseason. So I feel like, you know, maybe the Packers, maybe the Niners, maybe one of the – well, not the Niners because they just re-signed Jimmy. But one of these teams that runs a, the same West Coast offense, you might expect um, to go Jets after him. If the Jets feel like they need some depth with the Zach Wilson injury because they're probably going to start with Joe Flacco. But, no, not to get too far off topic, I, I ultimately agree that Woodside will probably be on the Titans practice squad. And the point I'm trying to make here when I say this might not be over – they could elevate Woodside, right? You remember the new rules from the practice squad to the active roster, right? That could happen in week one, and he could essentially be the backup in, in week one still. So I, I, all this to say, I'm not convinced that the Woodside Titans marriage is completely over. Oh, I don't think it's over by any means. Um, I think the goal is definitely to get him back on the practice squad. And you've been floating this theory that he could be uh, uh, protected and elevated for the first few weeks of the season while Willis gets gets yep. re really ready for weeks now. I mean, that's been something you've been saying for weeks. And just to touch on that Malik Willis progression, uh, if you look at the pro football focus time to throw um, stat that they track preseason week one, Willis was at 4.37, which was the highest of any quarterback in the league preseason week two. He was at 4.05, which was, I believe either the second or highest second or third highest behind his own. And maybe one other quarterback i'm not sure maybe the second highest of all the preseason action through two weeks and then in week three he brought that down all the way to 3.08 seconds we saw him getting rid of the ball quickly the first two plays of the game to burks and woods and he just looked a little bit more in command he did have that one play where he held on to the ball so long and then he got sacked and it was like you could see him progressing in that in that play even knowing he is out of time but doesn't want to leave the pocket because of all the coaching so still a lot swirling in his head which makes you wonder how ready he would be to to take over backup duties I mean somebody put this out there today he's one snap away now from being the Titans quarterback um assuming you know, you know it I think only that takes was Joe Marino right that responded to my Logan Woodside tweet, Joe would want to want to throw that in there. That's all. That's all I'll say on Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, if he did have to come into a game, I think he would make some plays with his legs. I think they would simplify the offense to help with his reads, and he'd be able to make enough plays to keep them afloat at least more than Logan Woodside. And I think ultimately, this all comes back to Woodside. He had one great drive against like guys who are not making NFL rosters. Keep that in mind. He was playing with people who don't make NFL rosters, but also against guys who are not making rosters on that final game winning drive. 
um, against the Cardinals in the preseason game. But overall, such a bad preseason for him that I don't think there's any danger. Another team, the Jets who want more depth, the the Lions, if they want to replace Blau, they're not coming to get Logan Woodside to do that. You know, they're looking probably a, a others at other players. So, um, yeah, uh, that's the quarterback position. Obviously, Tannehill's your starter, and you hope he can stay healthy, but we could see some some spicy stuff going on with the practice squad elevations with Woodside. Let's move on to running back, where the Titans kept, I don't know if this is a surprising number of guys, but kind of surprising number of guys at five running backs, if you count Torrey Carter, the fullback. Um, one of your biggest gets of the day was breaking that Julius Chestnut had made the initial 53-man roster, along with... Uh, fourth round draft pick of this year, Hassan Haskins, and then your starter, Derrick Henry, will be backed up by Dontrell Hilliard, and he'll, the, both of those guys will play big roles. Haskins probably there to maybe um, maybe take some of the load off Henry in short yardage situations, but Chestnut could do that also. Both guys can play special teams. It'll be interesting to see how many running backs, A, are still on the roster in a week if, you know— some roster moves happen. They You don't really only need four guys on your 53-man roster. And B, how many guys they take into each game day, especially when week one rolls around. So your thoughts on the running backs here? Yeah, obviously they went heavy, right? And with the four pure running backs, then you add Tory Carter to that, and that makes five. Certainly it's heavy, right? With, with Henry Hilliard, Haskins, and, and Chestnut, I understand the argument that they probably don't need, um, you know, to, to have four of those players. But Obviously, I'm a little I'm a little close to this situation. I have a tough time just because I, I, I couldn't tell you how thrilled I was for, for Chestnut. I'll tell a, a quick little story. When the Titans signed him as an undrafted free agent, um, you know, back, I guess, at the end of April, I broke that news, right? I broke that they were signing Julius Chestnut. When I received that text message or, or you know, saying the Titans are signing Julius Chestnut from Sacred Heart, not to toot my own horn, I break a lot of UDFA news if you follow me every year for all 32 teams, not just the Titans. I, I typically move pretty quickly on these things. I don't have a lot of time. My phone starts filling up. I'm just trying to get this information out there. That one probably took me the longest to put the tweet together because I was like, I'm sorry, where did he play? Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I'll raise my hand. I had never heard of Sacred Heart in my life, right? I, I wasn't familiar with the player. I didn't even know what position he played. The text message didn't tell me what position he played. So I got 15, 20 text messages in my phone, all about news of UDFAs. I'm trying to get them all out there. And I, I have to stop what I'm doing. I have to go to Google and type in Sacred Heart and type in Julius Chestnut because I have no idea if I'm dealing with a kicker here or a quarterback or a running back. And I had never <laughs> heard of Sacred Heart before. I'm, I'm being dead honest. This, I'm telling you this story to highlight the unbelievable accomplishment that Julius Chestnut enjoyed today because the, the chances of him making this 53-man roster out of sacred heart when they, this team's got Derrick Henry, a third-down running back they like, and Dontrell Hilliard, a guy they drafted in Hassan Haskins, I mean, his back was against the wall, right? So what Julian yeah. Chestnut did today, Julius Chestnut did today, just defied the odds. It's an incredible accomplishment. I couldn't be happier for him. I got to really enjoy a celebratory moment with him and his people who were just so happy when they received this news. Um, it, it really was one of the highlights of my day. Nice. Yeah. And um, we kind of 
We're talking about it a little bit on this podcast when Mike Herndon joined, how we all like Chestnut. He had looked good. And I like to call the people who are fans of him Chestnuts. I'm a Chestnut. You're a Chestnut. Mike Herndon. <laughs> I just spit out my water. I didn't mean to. I actually <laughs> just, I had never heard that one yet. So I just, thanks for that. <laughs> So we're all chestnuts in a way. Um, I have a question for you because the running back who didn't make the roster, who was still there as part of the 80 man group, obviously um, Jordan Wilkins was let go a a little while ago, but Trenton Cannon signed early in the free agency cycle as what we expected to be a primary special teams player, your primary kick returner and a possible guy in the running back room. He doesn't make the team. Racy McMath is your next guy in line to return kicks. However, we got news today that Racy McMath is expected to open the season on short-term IR with a hip injury that nobody knew about. So with Cannon gone, with McMath on IR, who's returning kicks week one against the Giants? Probably be Dontrell Hilliard, I think, is the most likely option. Um, And with Cannon, I guess there's a scenario where you could get him back on the practice squad and, and, and maybe elevate him if you want him to return kicks for that week one. I wouldn't totally rule that out. But I'll be honest, if not for the McMath injury, which we'll talk more on shortly, I think I would rule that out if not for the McMath thing, because I don't think they would want Cannon back on the practice squad um, based on how this roster played out. Like, that's not a guy I would expect them to have a ton of interest in bringing back. And I thought he looked pretty decent returning kicks throughout the preseason. I didn't think he was bad. I just thought Racy McMath looked really good at it. Then you've got other guys that can do it. Then you've got a pretty good running back room, as we just touched on. So the need to roster Trenton Cannon essentially went away, right? So he's not a guy I initially looked at and thought they would bring back on the practice squad. Uh, Maybe I give some pause to that now because of the McMath injury. It opens the possibility of elevating him to play special teams, um, but but ultimately, uh, I, I think they probably go with Hilliard. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the thing there is he didn't look that great in like any action on the field as a returner or as a running back cannon. That is so I don't I feel like the Titans, if they like a they don't need another running back, they don't particularly need cannon. And there's other guys that are getting cut around the league that could potentially be better options than him anyway. So I think um they tried and they realized they don't need him. And, don't, and what the last thing I'll say on the running backs here, and I'll toss this to you one last time before we move on to receivers, is I'm really interested to see who gets carries first between Haskins and Chestnut. And obviously, Henry's going to get the bulk of the workload. Hilliard's going to get the bulk of the passing down load. But those guys are going to play a little bit too. And I wonder if we see a situation where one of them's not even active for game day. And that'll answer the question when we find that out. But we're not going to know that until September 11th. So do you have an inkling on? I mean, I feel like based on the way preseason snaps went, it would be chestnut first. But what are your thoughts? I honestly think it's closer than people think. I don't. I don't have an opinion, truthfully, because I, I really do think it's 50-50 and I have no idea. I'm not doing anyone any good by trying to guess because I, I really do think it can go either way, 50-50. I have no clue. Yeah. And Haskins made a really great play in that preseason game where he caught the ball like four yards behind the line of scrimmage with defenders all around him and made the first guy miss and sprinted down the sideline and get, turned it into a big if, positive gain. So if either one... Moves too. If either one, either scenario were to surprise you, 
you're too easily surprised. That's kind of my <laughs> parting thought on that because it could really be either one of them. I agree. All right, let's talk about the wide receiver group here because we mentioned Racy McMath headed to IR, but he made the initial 53-man roster, which means he will be eligible to return. Um, but that also means the Titans kept five wide receivers. One of them is going to IR right away. They only have four wide receivers on the roster as of now or as of tomorrow by the time McMath gets put on IR. Obviously, Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook-Akina, Traylon Burks, and Kyle Phillips. I mean, I feel pretty good about those four as your top four. Traylon Burks finally made some plays that give you confidence in that last preseason game. Kyle Phillips has been getting rave reviews all offseason. Robert Woods said he's fully healed from the, the torn ACL, and Nick Westbrook-Akina has continued to progress in his development as a solid wide receiver two slash wide receiver three slash maybe wide receiver four by even you know midseason with Burks and Phillips coming on. I feel great about that as a top four, but where's the depth? Des Fitzpatrick gets cut. Mason Kinsey cut. Reggie Roberson cut. Cody Hollister cut. I mean, it's sort of a, a dealer's choice on which of those guys get added back to the practice squad because I expect multiple, two or maybe even three of those guys will be on the practice squad. And again, you can do the practice squad elevation thing if you need to for three or four weeks while you wait for McMath to come back from IR. But or you just add one of those guys back to the roster when McMath goes to IR. But um, it's a thin group, and there's no superstar. You know, when it was thin with A.J. Brown at the top, you're like, okay, well, at least you have A.J. Brown. It's thin with some solid, if unspectacular, guys like Robert Woods. Great player, but not a superstar, not an elite-level receiver. Um, you know, a solid complement to a passing game, which is what you would hope Nick Westbrook can kind of become as well. If Traylon Burks takes that step and becomes a true dominant rookie receiver in the mold of a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, those guys are super rare, then the Titans are fine. But right off the bat, to start the season, I don't see Burks having that kind of role. What's your level of concern with this wide receiver group right now after cuts? I mean, I'm not terribly concerned after the cuts because the four guys that were cut, I don't think we were thinking that any of them were going to be like huge contributors right like that's I'll, totally fair I, I agree with that yeah i'll kind of just say that um my overall thoughts on this room is is no different than most when i when i say i'm certainly surprised they went with five it's light but we spent all summer long or arguing or discussing who's going to be receiver six right and they cut all four options as you said right that's Fitzpatrick, mason kinsey Cody Hollister and Reggie Roberson. I thought they would have gone with six. Um, I had Des Fitzpatrick as the likely favorite, but then, you know, he dropped that would be touchdown against Arizona that probably hurt his chances significantly. I thought Kinsey was right behind him and probably in the mix. I thought Roberson came on strong late. Unfortunately, he had missed a lot of time throughout the early to mid portion of camp. I thought Cody Hollister came on strong. Call me nuts. Hollister was good in joint practices against Tampa, made a couple of catches in the preseason. He had that one where he got that big hit and he bounced right up right near the sideline. Like Cody Hollister is tough as nails and he's been here a long time. The, the one thing you said I want to I want to harp on because I was going to say it. Um, is it two or three? they signed back to the practice squad. Cause I think it very well could be three. If it's two, 
I'm very curious to see which two it is, because again, you could convince me that it's any combination of two of the four that were cut, and I wouldn't be totally yep. shocked. Like, don't be surprised if Cody Hollister is one of them. I, I know he's probably the one yeah. everyone's thinking is a, a, a distant fourth um, in the four that were cut, but I don't think it's that distant, and I think it's probably pretty damn close, and it could very well be Cody Hollister. Could be Cody Hollister, and, and, and I think I would put my money on Cody Hollister and Mason Kinsey, to be honest with you, as the two that are going to get added back. but. We'll see how that plays out Um, with McMath going on IR missing potentially the first four weeks. It seems obviously you're going to have to do something. Maybe this is weird of me, but I am not convinced even with that, that they're going to go do something outside the organization. I think it's very likely one of those four they cut just ends up back on the 53, as you said, while McMath is on IR, or they don't add a one to the 53 and they do the practice squad elevation thing that we've been discussing. Like maybe I'm going to be totally off on this and I could be, but I'm not convinced that they're going to go out and sign another receiver. And I'm not, I'm not saying I have a source on that. Uh, It's just a feeling that I have. I, I think it's one of the two. I think they bring one of these guys back on the 53 or they just feel they went into multiple games last year with just four receivers on the 53 right on the game day roster. So you could still go in with five right by elevating Cody Hollister, by elevating Mason Kinsey, whatever it is. I'm just not totally sold that they're going to go and put in a claim for another receiver. Yeah, I don't know if anyone around the league really like catches your eye as somebody who was waived. Um, So I, I don't know that they add somebody from, from the pool, but I do think that one of these guys could be added back to the 53 as soon as McMath's put on IR because four or five, I mean, they could go either way with that. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. I want to ask you, I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here, but this does seem to be the time to do a little moratorium on Des Fitzpatrick's career because even if he's added back to the practice squad, I mean, I think like they didn't see the growth that they needed to see from last offseason to this offseason. We did see it with Racy McMath, a sixth round pick. Worst draft pick, Isaiah Wilson in the first round or trading up for Des Fitzpatrick with Amon Ross St. Brown right there. Hindsight's twenty twenty, sure, but check my Twitter timeline and check any draft analyst in the world. Amon Ross St. Brown was a no-brainer for that pick. And they took Des Fitzpatrick. And I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks, but on I've watched the first two, three episodes. I did see Amon Ross St. Brown list every receiver. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> this is like 16 of them, right? Like it's, yeah. Of course, Des Fitzpatrick's the, the last final one. one. The final <laughs> one is Des Fitzpatrick. And like we were all there talking about it in the chat when it happened. We're like, oh, they traded up. <laughs> Is it Amon Ra and they take Des Fitzpatrick and like immediately and we thought Google it was going to be like, receiver too, right? Because they had neglected yeah. receiver up until that point. Right. But to answer your question, I still go Isaiah Wilson and I'll yeah. say the reason I'll say why, and I'm not even going to use the outcome, right? Like the Isaiah Wilson was a disaster. Like for me, I didn't like either pick at the time. I didn't like either player. The reason I go Isaiah Wilson Google my big board from that draft year. <laughs> I was low on both. I had Isaiah Wilson closer to, I think, to 70th over. I had him somewhere in the mid-60s. 
And I was also really low on Des I had Des Fitzpatrick, I think, in this, I think in the sixth round, I believe it was around 190, 195, I think, on my overall big board. So they were both reaches, according to my big board. I was low on both, but because Isaiah Wilson was in the first round and I had a late second, early third grade on him, I still go with Isaiah Wilson uh, as the answer to yeah. that question. I think he's the bigger bus, but I think in terms of like, I knew it in the moment it happened. Bigger mistake. <laughs> certainly the aim on raw. It's like, it certainly added insult to injury in the moment. Cause you felt he was certainly a better prospect and you wanted him. And now you look at the caught 95 balls or hundred and some balls last year. Right? Like it's just, it's a huge, huge miss. Yeah. Yeah. So it is what it is. We'll see if Fitzpatrick winds up on the practice squad or somewhere else, but this could be, I mean, that could be, that could have been his last shot to really make his mark in the NFL. And he dropped the potential touchdown there um, before Logan Woodside said, I'm going to run this in myself. Let's talk about tight ends. Obviously, I think this was one of the most cut and dry groups from the very beginning. So we don't have to spend a lot of time here. Austin Hooper, Jeff Swaim, Chiga Quanco make it. Tommy Hudson was waived with an injury designation. So potentially could get added back to the roster and then or straight to IR tomorrow. If he clears waivers, he'll go to IR most likely. Um, and can bring him back for another offseason next year. But this tight end group, we kind of know what they are. Austin Hooper, a huge upgrade over anything they had last year. Chig is a, a nice prospect that we hope to see be able to make some flash plays this year. And Jeff Swaim is your third tight end. He's going to do a lot of blocking and be very undynamic and boring. And we're always going to wonder, why is Jeff Swaim in the game and Chig Aquanco not in the game? And you just have to remember, Chig's a rookie, and it could take him some time to really get everything down. Yeah, this is the most cut and dry group, as you said. I think everyone pretty much predicted they would only keep these three. That's exactly what they did. David Wells was also released today as part of those moves. Right. Tommy Hudson was a, a waived injured designation, as you said. Would they have kept four if Hudson was healthy? It's possible. I wouldn't rule out that possibility. Um, but I think you feel good rolling forward with these three. I argued with F-Words Pod in the, in the chat earlier to say, oh, they're going to add a tight end. I don't think that they will. I don't think they need to. Remember, Tory. Carter also gives them some flexibility there uh, played a little tight end against Arizona. They've put him in some of those looks as a, as a move tight end. So uh, I, I think you're good here with these three. Um, the Tommy Hudson situation is unfortunately a little sensitive. Anytime, you know, a guy wasn't healthy enough to make it, that's unfortunate, but ultimately uh, this played out, I think exactly the way we thought it would. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the offensive line then. And I'm going to start with the tackle group because I think that's the most notable a lot has happened with this tackle group since we last hopped on the mic. Um, obviously, Taylor Lewan will start at left tackle. Nicholas Petit-Frere has won the right tackle job. John Robinson came on the broadcast during Saturday's preseason game and announced that and didn't even like make a big deal about the fact yeah. that he was announcing that. And I thought was that like, was a really odd way to announce that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but NPF has won the right tackle job. I don't even think he knew because they asked him in the locker room after the game and he was like, Oh no, this is still a competition. I actually loved his answer. He said, every day in the NFL, you're, you're competing for your job. And I'm like, that's the right attitude. I, I appreciate this guy. Um, the Titans also trade for Dennis Daly, a, a player that was on the Panthers has started a handful of games. He could be your, your primary swing tackle this year. He's a, not a particularly great player, but he's a, <laughs> you know, a Kendall lamb level Dennis Kelly, maybe not quite as good level player that you could feel okay about sticking in 
um, on e- at either tackle spot if something happens to Luan or NPF and you don't feel comfortable enough with a Raidens or a Jamarco Jones who are all also obviously have tackle experience and made the roster. Um, what do you make of this Dennis Daly trade before I run through the rest of the O-line group? Yeah, I was s- sort of surprised by it. I-, I-, I wasn't surprised they made a move on O-line. I actually predicted that same day they would eventually do something on the offensive line. I thought it was more likely to come via a waiver claim, uh, but no, they end up getting aggressive in trading for Dennis Daly. They obviously felt that they had some competition for his services. Perhaps it's true, or perhaps Carolina did a great selling job and said, you know, we're not going to cut this guy. We're, we're going to trade him to somebody. So they felt the need to go and finalize that move. I have no idea who would play left tackle or right tackle in case of injury, right? That's the thing that's really curious here. Dennis Daly, the I, I, I did some done my research. Most of his experience in the NFL has come on the left side, but mo- most of it at left guard, but some of it at left tackle as well. So we know Dennis Daly's mo- most comfortable playing on the left side of the offensive line. Would he go in at left tackle? I think it's possible. I would like to think Radens should deserve a shot there. I mean, maybe I'm grasping at straws, but, you know, based on that's the position he's most comfortable playing. It's what he played in college, had that one good start at left tackle last year against San Francisco. I would feel more comfortable putting in Radens at left tackle in case of injury, but it wouldn't shock me if it was Dennis State. Yeah, I think... Well, I mean, that's totally going to be up to how the coaches feel in the meeting rooms and everything. The Titans trade away a a uh, 2024 fifth round pick and they got back a 2024 seventh and Dennis Daly. They will most likely, I mean, this is an assumption, but it seems like a good assumption. Get that, that conditional seventh that they traded for Tyree Gillespie back because we'll get to this when we get to the safeties. I Um, imagine the condition was based on him making the team. So, right. So you'd expect they get that pick back um, there. So they might, I guess they'd have two 2024 seventh round picks, no 2024 fifth. Now Um, we'll worry about that in two years. So uh, not a whole lot of capital to give up, but um, Dylan Radins, obviously also on the roster makes the team uh, rounding out the offensive line in the interior. You got Aaron Brewer, Ben Jones, Nate Davis will start. Corey Levin will be your primary backup at center and possibly at guard with Jamarco Jones, also a backup guard who could kick out to tackle if needed quickly. The guys who didn't make the team guys that you've been um, covering basically since, since the end of the draft as some guys are UDFAs this year or last year or, um, Xavier Newman-Johnson, Jordan Roos, Andrew Rupsich, Christian DeLaro, Hayden Howerton, Jalen McKenzie, Willie Wright, all released, waived, or cut um, today. Any thoughts on this offensive line group beyond the tackle discussion we just had? I went nine for nine on predicting the offensive linemen. I had, I mean, I I published that this morning. I had Dennis Daly, of course, after the trade, and then I had Corey Levin um, and Jamarco Jones on the roster. This played out exactly the way I thought it would. It'll be interesting to see where Jamarco Jones fits in. We know they brought him in to primarily play left guard. He has some tackle versatility, but I don't think he's gotten a single rep at tackle for the Titans this summer. So that'll be interesting to see if we ever find out how versatile they think he is. Um, I think from a practice squad perspective, I think Xavier uh, Newman-Johnson, Kristen DeLauro, 
uh, and, and even uh, and, and Jordan Roos. I think those are the three that are most likely to end up on the practice squad. I, I would think they're ahead of the likes of Andrew Rupsich, Jalen McKenzie, Willie Wright, Hayden Howerton. Those guys were typically playing in the fourth quarter of the preseason, right? And they weren't very productive. Whereas I thought Newman Johnson, Roos, um, and DeLauro all came into the game significantly earlier than those guys did. And I, I thought they played better than, than they did overall. The only thing I'll say on that is McKenzie, I think, started at left tackle in Saturday's game. 71. I'm pretty sure. I, I might have. Okay. I'd I might have to go spewing. back and look at the tape. I, I, I mean, I was looking at who's 71. Oh, that's McKenzie. Oh, wow. He's out there early. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like DeLauro got into the game earlier than he did, but I could be, I could be wrong on that. Yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure. And that could have just been a, uh, a final week of the preseason thing. But anyway, the the point is some of those guys will be back on the practice squad and, um, and you know who your nine guys are. I wouldn't be shocked to see, uh, Jamarco 11, one of these guys n- n- end up not on the team in a few days here. If they claim somebody or if Eric flowers decides he's playing football in 2022 or who knows what could happen there. Last thing on the O-line, I, I said a lot has happened at this position since we last talked and we didn't really discuss Dylan Radins since we last recorded. He has been playing guard almost exclusively guard in practices since that last time we taped and I don't. I just want to ask what you think it means for Raiden's career for the Titans. I mean, you expected him. We all expected the right tackle to be Raiden's job to lose, and the left guard to be an open competition. And it felt like from the very get go. Now, Jamarco Jones has been pretty injured in camp and hasn't had a, a lot of chances to win the left guard job. But it felt like from the beginning of camp, Aaron Brewer had the left guard job, while the right tackle position ended up actually being the one that was really a competition. And I think NPF winning that job is a pretty big shock to everyone. Now, it's not a shock based on how they played in practices. But if you told us at the beginning of training camp, NPF's going to win the right tackle job, we all would have been like, wow, didn't see that coming. So is this more of an indictment on Raidens? Is it more encouraging about a third round pick that could potentially be a gem? I mean, he's going to be your starting right tackle as a rookie. Usually that doesn't go very well for, for teams that have rookies starting at tackle. Especially but, mid-round, um, right? Third round. Yeah. So, I mean, even first-round guys have struggled to come into the league and start right away um, outside of a few guys. So what do you think about this from Dylan Raiden's standpoint for, for what it means for the rest of his career as a Titan? It's not a good sign, right? I, I think there's no way around that. I, I, I certainly expected him to win the right tackle starting job. Um, and you asked, you know, what does it boil down to? I think it's a little from column A, a little from column B, right? I think Radens was pretty disappointing when afforded an opportunity to play right tackle. And Petit Friere was pretty, you know, pretty decent in, in, in flashes. Certainly didn't like the world on fire, but he was undeniably better than Radens, right? So it's a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, I think it's very disappointing for Radens. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's no way around that. And I would say um, it's, a, it's a, not a good sign, right, for the chances that he's going to pan out as a second round draft pick. Of course, we can't totally rule it out. You know, he played pretty good at guard the other night. It seems like they're going to focus more of their energy now developing him at guard going forward because he flat out lost the right tackle uh, battle, right? So 
Can he get into the mix to start at left guard? I wouldn't totally rule it out if Aaron Brewer is struggling, you know, mid-season early and they want to make a change. They're seeing ratings, you know, consistently string together good practices or Aaron Brewer gets hurt, right? And and, and Raidens, is Raidens the first guy up? Who the hell knows, right? Because Dennis Daly and Jamarco Jones can also play. Corey Levin, all three of them, he said all three of them can play. All four backups can play guard, right? As things stand to our knowledge. So... Would Raidens be the first guy up at left guard? I would think so, but they also traded for Daly and they, they like Corey Levin and Jamarco Jones. So you never really know. Um, right. I'm not ruling out that Raidens can become the starting left guard uh, at some point and he could salvage certainly, you know, his, uh, you know, chances of, of developing as a, a appropriate second round pick. But right now I think it would be naive of us to, you know, to not say that it's probably not looking very good. Yeah. So would you at least agree that I was right all those months <laughs> I ago? I said Raidens was a guard. I also at that time said Jamarco Jones would be your right tackle. So I clearly don't know what I'm talking about, but hey. I'm I'm still pretty surprised, right? I stick to my pre-draft evaluation where I thought he was clearly an NFL offensive tackle. So I, you know, I wonder, and I'm I'm certainly not trying to make excuses. I wonder if things would have played out differently if he got a chance to play left instead of right, right? Because that's the position that he was used to playing. And I think there was talks about the difficulty of making the the change, right, from left to right. So I wonder if things would have played out better for him if he had a chance at left. I wonder if he can still get in the mix as a swing left, right, if Luan were to go down with injury. Because I still don't know what the heck they're doing there, right, with Daly and and Jones and – it could be Raiden set left tackle if Luan gets hurt or has to leave for a series. That's something I'll be monitoring closely because, again, I got no idea who would play there. So, uh, but yeah. no, it certainly seems like you had the better call than I did uh, uh, going with the whole guard thing. I'll take credit for that one, but I'll give you the uh, Malik Willis. I honestly, I think you were the first person that I know of to say the Titans might only keep two QBs. Okay. Last thing I'll say here on Dylan Raiden's before we go to the defensive side of the ball. If you're listening to this and you're a, a big Dylan Raidens fan or you want some reason to feel some optimism or you're Will Lomas and you just love Dylan Raidens. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Lomas. I'll, I'll love Will Lomas. Here's the thing. like There have been a lot of successful guards in this league who came into the league as tackles, couldn't cut it as tackles, made the switch to guard, and went on to have very productive careers. And Roger Saffold is an example of that guy that Titans fans know well. Rams drafted him to be a tackle. He struggled. He couldn't play left tackle. He couldn't play right tackle. He, they tried him at tackle for two or three years before they finally said, let's move him to guard. And he became a Pro Bowl level guard, made his first Pro Bowl last year with the Titans. And can Dylan Raidens have that same career path? Probably not. But it's definitely possible. And the Titans are going to explore that as the next potential career path. For number him. number number 39 on my big board, man. 39. I was I was pretty damn high on him. Yeah, I mean, he showed he showed a lot at North Dakota State winning championships with Carson Wentz. Um, not really, with Trey Lance. <laughs> Same school. Okay, that wraps up the offensive side of the ball. 24 guys on offense. A lot of times people do their 53-man roster projections. They go in even 25, 25, and three specialists. Titans elect to stick with just 24 on offense, which means we have 26 guys on defense to cover. And I had start 24 with the def- on, I just realized, sorry, I had 24 on offense, and I went hmm. 23 for 24. The only thing I didn't have was I had Des Fitzpatrick. I didn't have Chestnut. That's the one change. Nice. Well, hey, that's that's pretty good. 
They should do, you know, they grade everyone's mock drafts. We should like compile all the Titans beat writers who I was thinking put a, 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 a 53 man together and see. But I missed, I missed who's a few the most on accurate. Defense. I missed a few on defense we're about to get into. Well, that's a great segue. So let's start with the defensive line here. I think the most surprising name on this list is Kevin Strong, but maybe it's Deshaun Hand. Titans at defensive line keep Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Tier Tart, Naquan Jones, Demarcus Walker. No surprises there. And then from from for the back half, it was an open competition between Kevin Strong and Deshaun Hand, who made the team. Laurel Murchison, a 2020, uh, 2020, 2020. 2020? 2020 yeah. fifth round pick um, does not make the roster. We knew he had an uphill battle because there's a lot of competition there, but a couple of guys that we thought, you know, undrafted free agents that had a chance to make it Sam Okawanu, uh, Jaden Peavy out of A&M had some nice plays in the, in the preseason did not make the team here. Definitely practice squad material. Um, but tell me really quickly, who is Kevin strong? Cause I honestly have never heard of him. Well, I think the first, before I tell you who Kevin Strong is, the most surprising thing on this whole 53-man roster, people are talking about the running backs, receivers, O-line, yada, yada. No, the most surprising thing to me is seven defensive linemen. That's really heavy on defensive linemen. Kevin Strong and Deshaun Hand are the two surprises, although I will shout out uh, Zach F-Words pod, who noticed a few days ago that Deshaun Hand didn't play in the final preseason game and took that as a sign that his roster spot was safe. I wasn't ready to make that leap in that moment, but Zach did prove to be correct. So uh, 7D lineman, before I get into Kevin Strong, I am most concerned here about Dina Coatry. And I think a few other people have mentioned it. This is probably not unique to this podcast, but he's been sidelined pretty much all camp. We haven't heard a lot about his condition. We eventually found out it's a wrist issue. He's been off to the side working by himself. I'm still holding out hope that this is just a, look, Dina Coatry is the definition of a tough SOB that can roll out of bed on Sunday morning and play an NFL football game without any preparation. Like that is Dina Coatry to a T. So I'm still holding out hope that they're, they've just been overly cautious with him. Doesn't need a lot of reps in July and August. He's an effing pro that's been extremely productive and he's tough as nails. But keeping seven D linemen on the initial 53 certainly has me concerned that they felt the need to, to carry some insurance, right? Some protection in case Autry is about to go on IR and miss the first few games of the season. Right. That that that's a theory that may have legs. We'll have to stay posted to that over the next few days. Hopefully we get some clarity on that. Kevin Strong, yeah. I'm a little surprised you haven't heard of him because he was with <laughs> the team last. He was with the team last year. He actually joined the practice squad in November or December of last year, I want to say, and got elevated for a couple games towards the end of the year when they had all those injuries. OK, People on Twitter at me at Titans film room and tell me how, how dumb I am for not having heard of this guy. If you've heard of Kevin strong, I want you to tweet at me and tell me you knew who he was before. <laughs> and today. don't lie about it. Don't lie. About it. I mean, yeah. he was here toward, look, I get, he was here towards the end of last year. He was pretty anonymous, but he did get into a couple of games, thought he actually played well from what I remember in a couple of games that were, were a game that he played in. And then he's been here all summer, right? Like, uh, he's been here through, <laughs> training so. camp, through the through the preseason and uh, and he's made like the, he's he's one of those guys I find uh, is pretty, pretty tough guy came came into the league undrafted 
out of UTSA. So it, this is that three, three or four years. This is fourth year in the league, right? Came out, came out undrafted in 2019. So he stuck around in the league, made a good impression on the Titans. Obviously he's been here now for uh, about nine or 10 months. Again, I mean, obviously several of those months include the off season and, and a lot of practice squad time involved in that, but he's been here and they liked him enough to keep him on the initial 53. Yeah. Quickly. Well- I certainly wonder if Murchison and PV, and I think Sam O is a guy. I think Sam O is definitely a guy they're going to add to the practice squad. I think PV will be another. Uh, and it'll be curious to see if they try to keep Murchison or if they've just given up on him and and want to roll forward with trying to develop uh, PV and Sam O. Because I feel really good about those two guys landing on the practice squad. I'm a little less certain when it comes to Murchison. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And the last thing I'll say on this position group is with the, you know, uncertainty around Danico Autry's status, I think that Demarcus Walker signing, who some people were were like, I think Demarcus Walker has a chance to make this team a few weeks ago. Like, no shit, Demarcus Walker. Obviously, like for me, Demarcus Walker was always making this team. But what do I what do I know? I don't even know who Kevin Strong is. So what do I know? (laughs) Um I think his versatility, though, to play it's kind yeah. of the same role that Autry plays. He's not as good. He doesn't win as effectively. But to be able to play inside and slide outside on that defensive line will be helpful for these weeks if the Titans are without Autry. Let's move on to the outside linebacker group or the edge group, whatever you want to call it. Titans go kind of light here, only keeping four. We thought they might keep five. Um, no surprises on who they did keep. Obviously, Bud Dupree and Harold Landry are your starters. Ola Adaney, first guy off the bench, unless... Your first guy off the bench is Rashad Weaver, who had a really productive preseason. Surprisingly, played 100% of defensive snaps in the final preseason game, Rashad Weaver did. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he played all of them. I I, I knew he played a lot and was pretty good, but I didn't realize he played all of them. Interesting. Yeah, and he he popped a lot, though. I mean, he made a lot of plays throughout the preseason, not just Saturday. Um, someone who didn't make it is David Aneni, who we really thought had a chance just because he was so productive and... You know, he had a nice batted pass on a little screenplay that he knocked down on Saturday's game. It's not the first time he's had his hands on the football this preseason. He's got three sacks in the preseason. So I think you run a tiny bit of risk of another team scooping him up, you know, but I think that this guy might be priority two or three behind like Logan Woodside and a receiver to be your like primary practice squad priority. Yeah, a couple of things. Two reasons I'm surprised they didn't keep a ninny. Number one, as you said, he was very productive. He led the team with three sacks in the preseason and two fumbles forced. So he was productive. He showed the ability to get after the quarterback. And number two, the second reason I'm surprised is based on something we just discussed. You know they can go light at outside linebacker because you've always felt that Dina Kowatri has the versatility to kick outside, right? We saw that last year. We talk about it a lot. Uh, as a group in general, Broadway, we're always pushing that home, right, with Autry's versatility. But if he is injured, then you don't have that option, right? So you're really going light with four. Uh, and second, I, the thing I wanted to add uh, to the first point I forgot to say, a sentence I wanted to say is, you can't convince me that David and Ninny wasn't one of their best 53 players, right, throughout mm-hmm. these months and in, in the preseason. So I am better a than Kevin surprised. Strong, for goodness sake. Sorry, I don't know why I'm going so hard at Kevin Strong. <laughs> I, I, I am a little surprised that they let him go. I imagine they will make a strong attempt to get him on the practice squad. 
Um, a strong attempt. Nice. <laughs> a Kevin strong attempt. No, um, I am a little surprised and I do think they'll make a strong attempt to get him. And I, I'll make a prediction that they'll be successful. I'll I make a prediction that if this is obviously conditional on if Danico Autry does go to IR short-term IR, my prediction is that Anini's back on the 53 as of Tuesday night or as of Wednesday night or Thursday. It's a good guess. You don't need to add another D lineman in Audrey's place. You you still got six without him, right? So, right. Um, no, this one this one was a, a tad surprising for me. I thought he would. I thought I didn't think he was a lock. Don't get me wrong, but I thought there was a pretty good chance that he would make it based on his performance. And then when when I see the configuration come out and I see seven D linemen with a ninny getting cuts, it certainly added to my surprise level. And when you just consider the fact that, like, if you told me two UDFAs were going to end up on this final 53-man roster, right. yeah, I would have point. picked him to be one of them. And obviously the other, the two that were the guys that made it, Julius Chestnut and the other guy we'll get to in a second is Trey Avery. Um, so those are the two UDFAs that made the roster and David and any probably to the practice squad, maybe back to the 53. Anything else on the outside linebackers before we go inside? No, I think we can go inside and talk about how they were pretty light here as well. Yep, only four inside linebackers, which Monty Rice is uh, on the PUP list to start the season. So he doesn't count against the 53 and he's not eligible to play for the first four weeks of the season. But you have um, obviously your starters in David Long and Zach Cunningham and your primary backups will be Chance Campbell and Dylan Cole, at least to start the season. Chance Campbell, you know, he played a lot. During the preseason, he got a lot of reps because of Monty Rice's injury, and he played pretty well, I thought. Um, two guys that didn't make it that maybe we thought had a outside chance, not a great chance, but an outside chance are Jack Gibbons, who um, Vrabel refers to as Dr. Gibby, and Joe Jones, who played a lot of good snaps as well, had that chase down tackle inside the five-yard line, had an interception Excellent. of uh, Kyle Trask that was like a horrible pass, but it was, you know, Joe Jones backed into the passing lane and picked off the ball with good ball skills. It was a nice play. Um, so we thought those guys played well. Dylan Cole probably made it over them because of special teams. And I think, you know, we haven't seen anything from Dylan Cole on defense to suggest that he's a better like linebacker in terms of like coming downhill and stopping the run than Joe Jones or even uh, Dr. Gibby, who apparently knows the whole defense, you know, um, but special teams is an important part of the game. And I think that's why you probably saw, Cole make it over those two guys. But I also think while we're talking about guys that could make the practice squad, remember the practice squad is big now ever since COVID they've expanded yeah. it. So it's like a lot of guys going to make the practice right? or something. Yeah. 27 cuts today, you know, like two thirds of those guys are going to be back on the practice squad. So um, I would expect, honestly, I would expect both those linebackers, Joe Jones and Jack Gibbons to be on the squad. I agree with you. Where I'll disagree with you is I, I did think they would keep five. So I was surprised when I learned that they cut both Joe Jones and Jack Gibbons. I thought one of them would make it. I always had Dylan Cole on my 53-man roster. I was surprised by how many projections I read that left him off because I know that they're high on him, and I know that they're, they're even high on him as, as a defender. But, of course, he's a, really an elite special teams player when he does play special teams for them. So 
I was not surprised that Dylan Cole made it. I, I thought he would the entire time. Um, but I was surprised they didn't keep one of Gibbons or Joe Jones. And I do agree that both of them will probably be on the practice squad. And you might see one of them as a game day elevation or, you know, like it's not, it doesn't always have to be like for like replacements, right? If they place Dina Quatri on IR, they could bring up one of these, in, they could add one of these inside linebackers to the 53. They could add a receiver. Sure. Like, it doesn't always have to be like for like. So I wouldn't be shocked if one of these guys, A, ends up back on the 53-man roster um, if there is an injury that we're going to find out about. And secondly, I do think uh, if not on the 53, both of them are on the practice squad. Right. Um, I will also say about the group being light is Ola Adani. You know, we think of him as a special teamer and an edge rusher, but – he has the versatility to play inside, and I saw him lining up there a few times in the preseason. He even had a nice, like, he came downhill in the hole and made a nice run stop. Um, so I do think that that's possibly a reason they only keep four guys there. But And I also think Monty Rice, I mean, they put him on PUP, but they didn't put him on IR. So they're expecting him to come back at some point. Maybe not after four weeks, but within, you know, four to eight weeks, I would say. you probably get Monty Rice back. Assuming that, you know, Monty Rice is better than... Chance Campbell, Joe Jones, Jack Gibbons, like they may like some of those other guys better at this point, even though Rice was a third round pick a year ago. All right, let's finish this thing up before we get to the specialists, which we already know. I mean, we knew going into Tuesday. We haven't talked about it on this podcast, but we knew the specialists going into Tuesday. So let's move to the secondary. We'll do the cornerbacks first. Um, a couple surprises here, depending on what you were expecting, obviously. Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, Roger McCreary, Elijah Molden. No surprise there. Um, I'm looking right now at Jim Wyatt's TennesseeTitans.com, final 53-man roster, and he's got Ugo Amadi and Trey Avery, both listed in the cornerback group. I know Trey Avery is a cornerback. I don't know where Ugo Amadi really plays. I mean, he's got nickel versatility. He could play corner. He could play safety. He's listed here as a corner, so I'll talk about him in the corner group. Um, not necessarily a surprise because they did just trade for him, but they also traded for Tyree Gillespie, and he did not make the team. Trey Avery, maybe one of the, if not the biggest surprise UDFAs to make the roster, which you broke, so kudos to you on that one again. And... Um, yeah, I mean, Chris Jackson, probably the most surprising guy to not be in this cornerback room. What do you make of this group? Yeah, I've got a couple things to say. When I said earlier, much earlier in this episode that uh, uh, breaking the Julius Chestnut news was one, I said one of the highlights of my day because this was the other highlight of my day, breaking that Trey Avery had made the roster. I'm always, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for an underdog story. This is a UDFA corner out of University of Rutgers comes in Rutgers, by the way, shout out to both sacred heart and Rutgers. Cause as I broke that news, it's been so cool to see both of those communities, both of those programs share my tweet, retweet it. Like the amount of support that those two communities have shown chestnut and, a and, and Avery today, based on my tweets has been overwhelming. I I'm so proud of those two guys. I know they're super happy to see their communities get behind them. Trey Avery's a guy I'm excited about because he came in, he came in really raw out of Rutgers, to be honest with you, the, you know, the, uh, you could you know, talk to James on Twitter, no flags film. The, the tape wasn't great on Trey Avery coming out of Rutgers in all honesty, shout out to the Titans area scout that found him, I, you know, wanted to bring him in because he has developed tremendously over these last couple of months. And I thought he made some really good plays in the preseason. I can't remember which game it was now. I feel like it was the second game against Tampa where he really uh, had a really uh, standout performance. So 
I'm thrilled for him. This is this is huge for him. They like him. They're high on him. I, I think it's possible that he sticks. We always say the initial 53, he's certainly one of those back-end guys, but I think there's a decent chance he sticks. And the fact that they essentially picked him over Chris Jackson is definitely a surprise. Something I'll raise my hand and say I didn't initially expect because I thought they were pretty high on the versatility and toughness that Chris Jackson offers. He got some first-team reps at nickel throughout the summer at, at times. Chris Jackson did. So I'm a, I'm a little surprised by, by him being released. But, you know, he did have an injury, an undisclosed injury towards the end of camp. So that certainly hampered his chances. And it opened up opportunities, in all honesty, for guys like Trey Avery, to, to, Trey Avery to come in, earn more playing time, and make plays. And that's exactly what he did. Um, on, on Ugo Amadi, I'm going to, at this point, agree that listing him at corner is probably the right thing to do. The more we've seen him in practice, the more we've seen him in the preseason, the more that we've learned. I believe they see this guy almost exclusively as a nickel corner and a big-time special teams player. So I'm kind of done with listing him at safety, and I, I made that error. I'll put my hand up when they first traded for him. It seemed like they were getting a safety, but uh, it certainly feels like this is a guy they see playing nickel corner. Yeah, that totally that totally tracks for for me. Um, any other surprising guys to not make the team? You didn't t- touch on Chris Jackson there. I think that you know he's played really good football for this team and is also likely a practice squad candidate. Trey Swilling also doesn't make the roster. Not not a huge surprise there as UDFA. Um, but Chris Jackson, I think he's played a lot of good football for the Titans. I do think they try to get him back on the practice squad. And if there's anyone, I mean, literally of this list of guys that got cut. He's probably the one I'm most worried about getting claimed by a quarter cornerback needy team because he has played good football. He knows his Titans defense well. He can play a little safety. He can play a little corner. So I do think they try to get him back on the practice squad. If not, you know, back on the 53, we're talking about guys that could go to IR. It's possible Chris Jackson, like you said, doesn't have to be a like-for-like replacement. At safety, obviously Kevin Byard and Imani Hooker make the team Joshua Kalu, not a surprise, but sem- a semi-surprise considering he was added back to this team during training camp. Um, he makes the roster. A.J. Moore, a guy that we thought might they might not be happy with because of all the moves they made at safety, ends up on the roster. And Lonnie Johnson, who they claimed off waivers when the Kansas City Chiefs, re- Chiefs released him after they traded for him uh, t- with the Houston Texans. He rounds out the safety group. So as I mentioned a few times now, Tyree Gillespie does not make the cut. Adrian Colbert does not make the team. Um, thoughts on this safe? Oh, Theo Jackson, sixth round pick. That was a pretty big surprise. Um, just because anytime a guy is drafted and doesn't make the team, it's a surprise. Um, so that's your safety group. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, a couple of couple of quick thoughts, rapid fire, because I got thoughts on all of uh, pretty much all of them. They obviously chose Lonnie and Joshua Kalu. Um, over Colbert and Gillespie, right? I think that was probably the four guys that were in competition for potentially two spots. Kalu is an incredible special teams player. We all know it. He's a Titans legend. Everyone remembers that blocked field goal against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. And in the preseason, he played pretty good as a pure safety. Right. So he showed that push come to shove, he can play some defense when necessary. But obviously, if if he sticks on this roster, his role's mainly going to be on special teams. And he's so good uh, pretty much on all the hands teams. So I'm not shocked that they kept Joshua Kalu. And I was so happy to, to break I, that news because yeah. I love Joshua Kalu. And he, he's such an infectious, uh, passionate player. Um, I thought Lonnie Johnson has landed in the right place. You saw him tweet something late or earlier today that, you know, thank God for making me a Titan. I feel like he has fit in almost immediately. He reunites with Anthony Midget, right, who he spent some time with in Houston. 
I, I feel he really feels good about where he is here in Tennessee, right? And I'm not surprised that he made the roster. I always felt it was trending that way. I thought he played well throughout the preseason, right? Played some dime safety uh, in, in third and obvious passing situations. I thought he looked pretty damn good. So not surprised at all with Lonnie Johnson making the roster, and I'm thrilled for him. Yeah, I agree. I'm also not surprised that Lonnie Johnson made it. I thought, I mean, from the first day he was in training camp, he what, didn't he get an interception in like his first practice with the team, and he looked good in the preseason, and he like I think he has a clearly defined role. He looks a little rejuvenated here. I mean – it's hard to say what a guy's career, like where they were in the state of their career playing for Houston last year, because we saw it with Zach Cunningham. And now we're seeing it with Lonnie Johnson, guys that like you're playing on a team that, you know, isn't trying to win. It's hard to get up every day with the same motivation and being in Tennessee. It's weird that the chiefs cut him. I still think it's weird. The chiefs cut him it was a bit of a red flag. You said it last week when we talked about it. Um, but I think the Titans think they found a guy that they can rely on as a third Say, I mean, he's probably your third safety right now, given how banged up they are at, at some other positions. We still don't really know how healthy Elijah Molden is, although I think he's he's kind of back. Um, but Lonnie Johnson, a former second-round pick, could be a player that they scooped up off waivers here the same way they just happened to get Zach Cunningham last year. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly add on Theo Jackson, because I do think that's fairly surprising. He had so much hype right. to start, right? It's about how he was making plays. He learned the defense so quickly. He was calling things out. Again, man, injuries, they're so unfortunate, right? He, he was dealing with something undisclosed towards the end of camp. He wasn't available. They made all these moves to get like three or four safeties in the final two weeks of camp with two of them. They cut with Colbert and Gillespie. And then of course, Lonnie, who ends up making the roster. So I, I would imagine they're going to try really hard to get Theo back on the practice squad. You often see if a team cuts a draft pick from that year, that they will probably will find their way back on the practice squad, unless, you know, it's a Cole McDonald situation and they end up on a, <laughs> another team. Well, that wasn't Cole McDonald. That was Luke Falk. Excuse Luke me. Falk. Luke Falk ended up on with Adam Gase in Miami. All right. Totally off track there. Let's, Finish this thing up with the specialists. Morgan Cox, Randy Bullock. Morgan Cox will be your long snapper. Randy Bullock will be your primary kicker. Caleb Shudex on PUP, so he could come back and steal Randy Bullock's job, although I would find that to be extremely unlikely. Um, so Randy Bullock, most likely your kicker, has kicked really well in preseason and in, in training camp. The big surprise, though, I mean, it wasn't a surprise on Tuesday because by this point we knew, but since the last time we podcasted the big surprise... Hunter, rookie, undrafted free agent, Ryan Stonehouse, unseats the veteran Brett Kern. And, I mean, sentimentally, I can see why people are a little sad to see Brett Kern go. Obviously, he's been, they should be, he's been one of the most reliable Titans players. People like to say he's been one of the best Titans players, and it's like, he may have been one of the best punters in the league, but I just, like, I can't with good conscience say that you're a punter. Naming a punter (laughs) was. If you, if you do take an equal opportunity approach, then yeah, Brett Kern has been one of right. the better Titans. Right. One of the best punters in the league and one of the most reliable Titans. But he just is getting up there in age. He costs a lot of money. And it's not just about who's going to be better in 2022, but who's going to be your punter for the next 10 plus years. And I think Ryan Stonehouse could be that guy. We've seen some really promising stuff from him. We're still working on the control, controlling the ball. But it was really great to see you, you and I were texting during the, the Saturday preseason game. His first punt was from, well, his first punt in range of the end zone. 
was downed inside the 10. I think that was his first punt. Downed inside the 10 or fair caught around the 10 yard, uh, inside the 20 at least, around the 10 yard line. And then his second punt also fair caught around the, the, the 10 yard line. And then his third punt was that booming kick that bounced straight up at the one yard line. That was unbelievable right. placement and bounce. There's the control you're looking for. He had another chance to do it later in the game and they just couldn't quite get to the ball before it went in the end zone, but also a good looking punt. And then you have what could be an X factor this season. And a lot of, not a lot of people are talking about this. You definitely don't hear the Titans staff talking about this because they don't want this to get out. Maybe this is me being a little like conspiracy theorist and reading too much into things, but Stonehouse has this thing where he puts a weird spin on the ball and maybe it doesn't go as far as you'd like it to. But I don't know if you remember, Kyle Phillips fumbled two or muffed two punts in one practice and another returner that was back there, I can't remember who the other guy was, also muffed a punt this day in practice while Stonehouse was like practicing this weird spin kick thing and it it threw off. The Titans returners, Kyle Phillips, sure-handed returner. They trust to be their primary punt returner this season. Even he was having trouble. He muffed two kicks in that practice. And we saw Stonehouse pull this punt out in the game, and the Cardinals returner muffs the kick. And maybe it was a total coincidence, and maybe you don't really want your punter punting the ball only like 35, 40 yards from inside your own 30-ish where the Titans were at the time. But if it can lead to the other team like, if you pull it out when they're not expecting it, so you can't kick every punt this way, but you pull it out when, you know, every now and then when you need to hopefully need a big play and you just like cause returners to muff punts because of your weird spin thing, that's like a secret weapon that can like gain you possessions. You also saw the athleticism with the uh, the dropped snap where he picked it up and ran for a first down. This guy's an athlete. He's a hell of a punter. And I think the Titans made the right choice going with him over Brett Kern. Ultimately, I'm sure it was a, a difficult choice. Anytime you're letting go of someone that's been around since 09, is a fixture in the community, is a, a great leader and a great man and a, a great player, right? And a, a great presence in your locker room. It's never easy. But ultimately, look, the Titans have been – John Robinson has known when to move on from aging players, right? Like Jarrell Casey, Malcolm Butler – I might even throw like a Wesley Woodyard in that mix. He's known when to move on from aging players. Now, I don't know that I would throw Kern exactly in that group because those guys had nothing left in the tank, essentially. Whereas I think Kern could still be a, a good punter in 2022. He probably will be for the Buffalo Bills, right? Or the Indianapolis Colts right. as an outside shot, but probably the Buffalo Bills. So Brett Kern still has time, but certainly... To, to cut Ryan Stonehouse, he would have probably got picked up by the Buffalo Bills or the Indianapolis Colts, right, with, with their punting situation. So you, you, you just can't give up. It's really hard to find specialists, truth be told. And drafting them doesn't guarantee that you found one because we've seen teams release, you know, kickers and punters they drafted early all the time. And not just for off-field stuff. Like I know Buffalo just cut their punter. I'm looking, thinking, I'm thinking back to when Tampa Bay a few years ago drafted that kicker in the third round out of FSU, right? Roberto, uh, whatever. I can't remember the pronunciation of the last name, but Aguayo, Aguayo, something yeah, along Roberto those lines. Aguayo. Yeah, Roberto Aguayo. It's hard to find Aguayo. specialists, is my point. And when you find a, who knows this better than the Titans that went through 77 kickers in the last <laughs> two years, right? Like it's hard to find specialists. So when you find that whatever Ryan Stonehouse is, 23, 24, 25 years old, when you find a good young specialist, you got to hold on to him, right? And you couldn't sacrifice him 
uh, for one final year with Brett Kern, probably only one final year, right? I don't know that he would play beyond 2022. So yeah, I think look, honestly, I, it was like tough, man, he's a great player. I, 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 I you know, I, I, I felt it. I was like, damn, Brett Kern, you know, it's years, years of cheering for Brett Kern and loving and, and being a big fan and, and of Brett Kern, but ultimately, and Kern talked about it, right? He, he you kind of saw the writing on the wall in his post-game interview. He said, I've rarely been around a punter with Ryan Stonehouse's talent. So unfortunately yeah, they kind of gave a little goodbye yeah. there. Um, and what's crazy to me is like, yeah, the Titans saved two, 2 million against a cap or whatever, but number one, I don't think they're doing anything with that 2 million this year. It, it'll roll over, but agreed, but I don't even think this is about saving money. Like you're not cutting Brett Kern because it saves money. You're cutting Brett Kern because he's 36 and you have a young punter that can be the future of the position and you don't want to let him go i agree and have someone else pick him up money never hurts but certainly i I think you're looking at the age factor here more than anything well justin been talking for like 72 minutes or so um how you feeling tonight you ready to get a good night's sleep (laughs) i'm certainly gonna try i'm certainly gonna try Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the 53-Man Roster Reaction. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year because we've been talking about what this could look like for weeks, months months even. Months even, yeah. And uh, we finally have an idea. Things will change over the next few days. So keep in mind, there will be churning, churning, churning. We could see some waiver claims. We're definitely going to see some IRs, if not not more than one. I mean, we know Racing McMath has been reported that that will happen. It's no guarantee, but it's been reported that that will happen. So we'll see if anyone else winds up there. Um, but yeah, this is the team the Titans go into the season with. And I think it's a pretty good squad. You know, biggest concerns, probably wide receiver depth, O-line depth. But if they can make it happen there, if they, if they can make it work with those positions, I think this is going to be one of the better teams in the league. I would agree. Look, I think it's a good football team. I think it's a, a like a 10-win division winner um, type of team. Uh, just want to make a note that we'll have a lot to cover next week as well, because by next week's episode, we'll have a completed practice squad, right? So we'll be able to run through that. We'll have some more information on these IRs and, and, and guys who got added back to the 53. And almost certainly we'll have a couple new Titans to talk about, right? Whether that's through a waiver claim, another trade assigning, certainly they're going to keep churning the back end of this roster. So we'll have quite a bit to cover next week here. And we're previewing the New York Giants. That's right. Will that be happening next week's episode? That's next week, bro. Oh, my. We're here. Next week. Week one preview. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. It's here. We made it. We We might have to bring on a guest. We (laughs) Shit. We got to book one. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take care of it. You you let me take care of that. But I'm glad you brought it to my attention because I'm going to go ahead and, and, and book a guest for this show. Nice. I'll, I'm going. Um, I'm going to a bachelor party in Austin from Friday to Monday. So, I'll be back Monday night. We'll tape our pod norm, like normal then. But we'll have to see if a guest can can be squeezed into that time frame. Um, we can talk about this off air. You guys know where yeah. to find us now. You've been following Justin all day for roster news at Justin M underscore NFL. Follow me because I am working on a new hype video. It's been months since I released one, but at Titans Film Room, I'll have one soon. Oh. And uh, that's it. We'll be back next week to talk about all the stuff Justin just said and preview the Giants. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.